Welcome to the Skyline Church Podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. pastor here and uh, she's going to bless us this morning. When I was asking the father like what do you want to say he made it really clear that he wanted me to read his words about what he says about himself over you so if you'll just hold out your hands to receive in Exodus 34 it says the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out Yahweh the Lord the God of compassion and mercy I am slow to anger filled with unfailing love and faithfulness, and I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Let's pray. God, you're so faithful, and out of all the ways you could have described yourself, this is what you said to Moses. This is how you revealed yourself. So I thank you that we can sit in the truth of who you say you are, not how we define you, not even our greatest ideas about you, that you yourself are worthy of honor and glory and praise. So would you just receive the praise that you're due today, Father? We love you. Just come and receive so much glory through my words. Amen. You can be seated. All right. Okay. Hopefully the tears are (laughs) done with. I can't make any promises. But... We, so we get the privilege of praying as a staff every morning, and you know, nothing like the 11th hour. I had been studying and writing very much true to my type A personality. Jonathan said, this is what you're preaching on, and I'm like, here's everything. I got to write it down. And then on Thursday, God just kind of flipped it on its head, and um, before I began, he said, I just want you to lay a foundation real quick, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but God loves you. He loves you. And I think we hear that sometimes, like, oh, God loves me, great, yeah. And then we brush past that, and we don't sit with the weight of it. That the creator of the universe loves you, and he's faithful to you. We were singing about his faithfulness, and sometimes I think we can say that, and our hearts don't connect because we don't actually think it's for us, but it is. And there's really good news today because I'm going to be honest with you, Writing this for me was challenging because my understanding of God's faithfulness and who he really is to us is a little bit different because who knows, as humans, we can get it wrong a little bit sometimes, you know? Our own human understanding, our experiences can shape things, but he's like, no, I'm faithful and I can't wait to reveal myself to my people. So he loves you and this is for you today. Um, If you've been with us, we've been talking about the fruit of the spirit and Jonathan made a really cool uh, distinction last week that I thought was worth mentioning again. He said it's fruit and not fruits. Like he gives us all of it. It's like a big old cluster of grapes. He's not just like, well, you can have a little patience, but not so much (laughs) self-control. He's not like, "Mm, you can be a little bit faithful, but not so much patient, right? He's like, I give you all of me, all the time. 
And so as I began to pray for this, um, things started surfacing in me. And I was like, ooh, where's this coming from? God, what are you (laughs) trying to show me here? And I realized a lot of my understanding of his faithfulness towards me, I actually rate with how much I'm performing. Like, okay, if I can just be good enough, then you'll give your love to me. Or, you know what, you're going to be faithful, but I'm going to get it together real quick, God, and then I'll come back. How many of us do that, right? Yeah, a lot of us. Like, if I can just earn enough in your standing. But he's like, no, I am faithful because that's who I am. And I can't deny myself. Like, that's my essence. And he told me, he was like, Hayden, my faithfulness gives my love its meaning. Can we just think about that? Like, his, separate from faithfulness, if God wasn't a faithful God, would he really be loving? No. Because his love love is steadfast and unwavering and it's sure, and he made up his mind about you a long time ago, and it's never going to change. So, what I don't want us to do is to become better students of our sin or our successes rather than our standing with God. Our standing with God is the only thing that matters. But when we think on his faithfulness, we can either go one way where we're like, you know what, I just can't quite get it, and the enemy lies to us, and we think, well, I guess he's just done with me. Like, he just can't use me. I'm just too far gone, and you know what, I just better quit while I'm ahead. And he's like, no, I will remind you of who I am. I will always pursue you. Or we'll pull out our religious rap sheet and we're like, guess what I did this week? You know, we're like, God, aren't you proud of me? Aren't I awesome? Like, I prayed five times, read my Bible every morning. And he's like, hey, that's awesome. We should do those things. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Thank you, Greg, for that quote. I always use that. I'm like, it's not what I'm saying. We should do those things. But not so that he'll love us, but because he loves us. And he longs for intimacy with you. And so... Um, As we've looked over the fruit of the Spirit, what really has happened is a meditation and a focus on God's character towards us. So that's what today is going to be about. Um, When, I think actually, Greg, you had a sermon where you said the different, the fruit of the Spirit are actually God's expression of love to us. And it says that in Galatians 5, like these are all like faith expressed in love. And so I like to think of them as faithfulness is just one of God's expressions of love to me. It's one of his love letters to me and the ways that he shows up because he's good. And so um, what I'm coming to learn is that my faithfulness is really just a matter of my surrender to him, of my heart saying, God, I'm yours because you're worthy of all of me and you're the safest place to be and you have never failed. You never have and you never will. So there's a gift in weakness. We may not think that that's what it is, but weakness is actually a gift because weakness creates a desperation in us to be dependent on a God who is faithful. And when I looked at the definition of faithfulness, the two, the root word of faithfulness is literally faith expressed in reliance upon God's faithfulness. And I think sometimes we get that backwards where we're like, I'm going to do all these things and then God will be faithful. But the reality is it's our faith expressed in him, his love poured out in us, and then it's our faithfulness back to him because he's good. So um, I was writing the sermon even until last night. (laughs) Fun. You're like, great. Um, But he just kept teaching me things. And I got to be honest, like I was unraveled on my floor last night. No dignity. Like I'm just so undignified. But before the Lord, because I couldn't help but just be overcome when I think about my story. And he has shown up over and over and over again. And even when I'm faithless, when I'm prone to wonder, and when I am desperately in need, he's like, I am not going anywhere. I am God, and I created you, and I knew you, and I have loved you every single moment. Every single moment. 
And so if you're like me, and you're prone to wonder, and you try really hard, but you just feel like you can't get it, and you strive, or you are in need, you're in a really safe place. <laughs> I think everyone around you would say that, but we're not quick to talk about those things in our lives. So as we look at the scriptures today, really, we're just going to behold the King, the King Jesus, who is faithful to us, and see through all of history how he's been faithful to us as his people. So... We're going to start with Lamentations 3, 21 through 26. And um, in this scripture, Jeremiah is not having a good time. Um, if you've ever read the fullness of Jeremiah, he is like, <laughs> he's, not, he's not in a good season. Let's just say that. <laughs> he's not having fun. And in the midst of that, out of that place, he writes, Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him and to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. So, oh, these tears just kept coming, you guys. I'm sorry. Um, it doesn't say the Lord's good to those who work really hard. It doesn't say the Lord is good to those who fulfill all their religious duties and then come back at the end of the day. It says those who depend on him and who seek him. That's our job. We depend on him and we seek his face. Um, I studied a lot of different commentaries on these scriptures, and Charles Swindle has this awesome quote um, about the faithfulness of God in Lamentations 3. And he says, not only is it true that God will not change in his faithfulness, he cannot change. He never cools off in his commitment to us. He never breaks a promise or loses enthusiasm. He stays near to us when we reject his counsel and deliberately disobey him just as much as when we are zealous for the truth. He remains intimately involved in our lives, whether we are giving him praise and prayer or grieving him with our actions. Whether we are running to him or from him, he remains faithful. His faithfulness is unconditional, unending, and unswerving. Nothing we do can diminish it, and nothing we can stop doing can increase it. It just remains great, because that's who he is. In 2 Timothy 2.13, it says, If we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he can't disown himself. And we see this all across scripture, right? Like with the Israelites, they just chase after all these other lovers. And he's like, I am your God, come back. And he gives them these prophets to say, hey, don't do that. <laughs> You're going the wrong way, right? Like, come back to my heart. I'm for you. And I, when I thought about someone who had lacked in faith, I thought about Jairus, the temple court leader. And Jesus is doing his ministry and he's healing. And Jairus hears he's around and his daughter is dying and he's, she's sick. And he's this dignified man that's respected in his community and he falls at the feet of Jesus and he says, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And God doesn't dishonor that. Jesus doesn't scoff at him. He doesn't go, well, muster it up. Good luck. Jesus is like, hey, I see you. I meet you in your need. And then he heals his daughter. Like nothing in Jesus corrects that cry. He actually honors it and says, okay, thank you. Like, thank you for your honesty. And I find a lot of those seasons in my life are like, I mean, I'm in the middle of one right now, you guys, where this, that's why this was really hard, because I'm like, I'm waiting, God, I'm waiting on you, and I know that you're faithful, and I, so I have to remind myself a lot, and so the cry of my heart often is saying, I believe you, but help me in my unbelief. Like the head-to-heart stuff, those 18 inches, anyone else here, you're like, I know this, but like, something's not clicking. <laughs> I'm like, ugh, okay, God, I know this is who you are, but really, you know, and so he just says, help me in my unbelief. And that's an okay cry to bring to your father. 
because he knows what you're after and he really just wants your heart. So um, the Psalms actually have their anchor in the verse we talked about in Exodus 34. When God defines himself, then the psalmist repeat back to him who he is. And so in Psalm 25, 10, it says, the Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his commands. He leads us. He doesn't ask us to do something he's not gonna go before us and do himself. Psalm 36, five says, your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. It's so great and so massive, like our brains can't even wrap itself around it. Like it's so vast, it's so high, it's beyond the clouds. And he says, you're gonna need this. And what, has anyone else tried to like make sense of God in their mind? I want like a box, I can say like, oh, this checks out. But the fact that his faithfulness never leaves, he's like, you're always gonna need it and you're never gonna outgrow your, your desire for me or your need for me, and so I'm going to make it so great you can't even understand it. Like, you're never going to run out of the, run to the end of your need for me. In Psalm 100 verse 5, it says, the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness to each generation. You think about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You think about where your family is, the faithfulness of the generations, and just in your family line. Think about that for a moment. And if I'm God and I'm looking at Israel, I'm like, ooh, ooh, (laughs) I don't know about that. Like, my faithfulness would run out, and ours does, right? But God is like, nope, I'm going to keep giving it, and I'll keep giving it, and I'll keep giving it. And it's never going to, you're never going to see the end of it, because I'm after the heart of my people. And then I think about Peter, after he denied Jesus, He denies Jesus, and he's going back to what he knew, right? He's like, I don't know. I just better go back fishing, right? Jesus comes back on the shore. He swims to him, and they're eating breakfast. And he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, I do, Lord. And he gives him his calling, and he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And he responds, yes, Lord, (laughs) I do. And in the middle of what Peter probably thought was his greatest failure since walking with Jesus, God meets him in his failure, and he gives him his calling. He says, I'm going to build my church on you. Isn't that wild? In our moments of failure, sometimes we're like, I can't come to you, God. You're going to be so disappointed. Like we buy the lie of like, retreat. But he's like, no, come close. Let me remind you of who you are. He reminded Peter, I still have good plans for you. I still have things in store for your life. Don't run from me. Let me remind you that I know that you love me. Jesus probably wasn't asking Peter because he needed to know that Peter loved him. He was asking Peter because he wanted Peter to remember, I know you're mine. I'm faithful, and I will, I will fulfill the calling on your life. The Lord gives me a lot of um, like pictures to, as imagery for things that I'm learning, and he reminded me of an analogy I'd heard years ago, but you know when a parent's teaching a baby to walk, and they're like holding their hands, and they're super like wobbly and awkward, and the parent's like holding on to them, and then eventually they get stronger, and the kid starts taking steps, and then you see the parent across the space, and they're going, come on, come on walk towards me. And what usually ends up happening, the baby falls and there's tears. And how does the parent respond? They pick them up, they set them back. They're not like, ah, can't you just walk by now? Like no one's frustrated. No parent's like, ah, come on kid. You know, like get it together. He's like, the, the dad is like, hey, let me pick you up. I'm right here. Look at me. Look at me. And that's the life of in the journey with Jesus. Life of faithfulness isn't like, God, I got it on my own. Don't worry about it. I know I'm a toddler, but I got this covered. He's like, just keep taking steps towards me. Look at me. 
I'll, I'll warn you when the corners are coming. I'll guide you away from the things that are going to hurt you. But just look at me. Keep walking towards me. Um, Graham Cook, I, I think this is a God wink where he just put this in my lap on my way to work on Monday. And he has a good way of just communicating the heart of God over people in, in podcasts. And so one of the things he said is about the Lord's faithfulness is it's not about how fast you're feeling it, you're getting it or not. It's that you're with him because he loves being with you. He's always with you. But your awareness about his presence grows as you spend time with him. Zephaniah 3.17 is how God is with you. He rejoices over you with loud singing. And he doesn't just rejoice over who you are now, but he rejoices over who you're becoming because it's so real to him. He loves you just as much on your best days as he does your worst. And all the life that is in him is in you. He's just too joyful over your discoveries in it. So just the fact that you're exploring and joining him in the experience means everything to him. So as you fill up on his life, his rejoicing, his confidence in the cross, his empowering presence, the old you will have no room in the way that you see, in the way that you think. And on the days when an old habit pops up, he'll help you see that that's not you and that's not God. He adores it when you practice the new because he knows that it keeps the old dead and the dead have no influence. So continue on this journey and love the learning as much as he loves being with you in it. You and him and him and you. That's John 15 right there. Abide in me and then you'll bear much fruit. Just come stay connected to me. And when you see people who you're like, man, they're really faithful. What we really mean is that they're an extension of the thing that they're connected to. They are just a mirror of the glory of God. They have known the inhabitants of God because they've sat with him. And that's it. And all the other things flow from that. I'm not telling you not to read your Bible. I'm not telling you not to go off and pray. You should. But don't do that because you want God's right favor. Like, you have it. It's done. It's sealed. If you are in Jesus, it's yours. Period. And he's just like, I just want to be with you. Like, I'm your father. I'm your friend. And I'm your leader. And I will never leave you or forsake you. Um, in seasons of my life where I've really forgotten this truth, and I'm quick to be like, mm, God, will you really do this? Will you really? He takes me back to Psalm 103 a lot, and basically all it is is just this like total like list of how God is faithful to his people, and the end is really comforting for me too. So I'm going to read this over you, and it says, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us or remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins, and he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height as the heavens is above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west, and he is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He knows we're only dust. The love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. He knows we're dust. He knows how he made us. From dust will come and dust will go. And he's like, hey, I didn't ask you to be a perfect person. I think in our walk, I know I have this tendency to like be like, okay, you've brought me this far, but I can handle it from here. Thank you, God. 
And he's like, no, I made you to need me. I made you. And, and, and honestly, like my weakness and my dependence on him is the greatest gift because then it's this great big adventure with God to go see what he has and what he's, what he's bringing ahead. So um, when I thought about like, so now what, God? Now we know who you are. And now where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? Um, he took me to the beginning of Galatians 5. And um, it says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. For if you're, making, if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. He's saying, Jesus fulfilled the law. He's got that part covered. You don't need to worry about circumcision, uncircumcision. That was like the big debate at the time. Like, do we do this? Do we do that? He's like, that doesn't matter. Use your freedom to express your faith and love. And when we abide in Jesus, his love is poured out in us and through us, through what? His fruit. And his fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness. When we abide in him and he pours out his love in us, his gift to us and through us are the fruit. And then we just get to express it back to him and say, God, you've given me this. My life is an altar. It's yours. It's all yours. And then later in Galatians 5, it says, for you've been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The Spirit gives us, I love this, the Spirit gives us the desire that is opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So here's what I needed. You're not free to carry out your good intentions. How many of us know our best intentions even fall flat? We're like, I am going to read my Bible more. Five days goes by and you're like, oh no, <laughs> oh, I didn't do it again. So it's even our good intentions. Like the presence of God, his spirit, not only gives us the desire, but the power to carry out what he wants in our lives. Isn't that kind? Like he's like, hey, not only am I going to ask you to do these things, I'm going to give you everything I, that you need to do it. Just come back and be with me. So our faithfulness is just produced when we rest in him and we say, yes, Holy Spirit, you can lead our lives. Because we can walk with Jesus, but we can be absent from surrender to his spirit. Like we can know him and say, you know what, that's it for now. I'm good. You saved me. But it's like, no, he has more for you. He has so much more. So the invitation is just a life of adventure with God. The other illustration he gave me in my mind is it was, I was a little kid and he was like my dad and we were going on this adventure in the woods. You know, you've got all your supplies, you've got your backpack and he hands me the map and it's his word. And I look at him and he said, I'm the spirit. I'm your guide. I'm your leader. I'm your comforter let's go. And I was like, okay, where are we going? You know, like, this is awesome. And so we take off and he's like, hey, go talk to that person. Say this, go there. Hey, watch that. That's not safe. And then eventually I'm growing in confidence and I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to go on my own. And he's like, okay, I love you. Stay right here. You know, he's like, I'm the best place to be. And when I went off on my own and I scraped up my knee or I found something that scared me, all I had to do was cry out, Abba, Father. And he was right there. He bandaged up my knee, you know, he set me back on the course that was like, hey, this is actually the way that leads to life. And I could look at his word and I could depend on his spirit. And it was so much fun. 
it's so sweet to be led by God because then it's not up to me the, how it lands, whether people accept it or not. It doesn't matter. Like all of that goes out the window. Fear of man, perfectionism, it all just kind of like withers away when you see his faithfulness to you and you realize I, he's never failed me before. So that's the easy yoke and that's the light burden he talked about. And we wonder sometimes why it gets so heavy, and it's because we sometimes yoke ourselves to our own expectations or false expectations that God never put on us. That's not his heart for you. He just says, come be with me, get away with me. But when I was studying this, I um, looked at Hosea 6, and this is really just, I loved God's heart coming through in this. He says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. And if we're not careful, we'll do all these religious things as offerings to God that he didn't ask for because Jesus was it. He said, Jesus was the sacrifice. Now live in light of his love, of his truth and his spirit inside of you. And I will give you rest and then I will produce all these things through you. And I thought about the woman who poured out all of her oil on Jesus' feet and the woman who cried at his feet and wiped his feet with her hair because they were so overwhelmed that the faithfulness of God was that he would choose someone like them. They would spend it all because he's worthy of it. And that's the life of faithfulness. It's so much different than we make it out to be. The band can come back up. We're going to move into a a different time of communion, which... um, I'm so thankful. I think it's so like God that it works out this way, but that we're ending with remembering, that we end our time with remembering the faithfulness of God. And um, I was thinking about Hosea 6, where it says, I just want you to love me and know me. Like, that's it. God just wants your heart. And Psalm 92, 2 says, it's good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening. That was a psalm written for the Sabbath. It was a psalm written for a day of rest, where from a place of rest, we proclaim and remind ourselves, you've been unfailing. Like, you wake up. I love that in the morning. Like, it's like, I wake up knowing your love is unending. Like, your love is unfailing. And then the evening, as we've lived our days, and sometimes we can be like, okay, all right. But we look back and we say, no, God, you've been faithful all my days. So, no matter how you came in here, no matter where you're at with the Lord, I want to ask you the question, how has God been faithful to you? I want you to look back on your story. And if you're having trouble remembering, you can ask him. He's good. You can say, God, will you remind me of all the moments that you've been faithful to me all of my days? So the way we do communion here is we take a piece of bread and we dip it in the juice. And then we circle up and we pray. If you're new, jump into a group. If you've been around for a while, find the people sitting by themselves and bring them in. Um, and just during that time, like give thanks to God. Maybe it's that you are like the prodigal son running home and he is waiting with a ring and a robe and a feast prepared for you because he's that faithful. He's that faithful. So I'm going to pray and then we'll go into a time of communion and we'll close out with worship. So um, if you need prayer and you're just like, I am weary, I am exhausted, I am tired, I've done it on my own and I can't do it anymore, we'll have people at the front to pray with you. So feel freedom to come up and let us just pray with you so you don't have to do it alone. So God, thank you. Thank you that you're faithful and that we don't have to be anything that you aren't to us and for us first. God, may we remember your faithfulness all the days of our lives, God. 
You are good and your mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. So we lean into you. We lean, lean into your faithfulness, God. We love you and we give you all the honor and praise. Amen.